Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Uh-huh. I just feel like I've been around the block Ripping up fantasy stock Working around the clock Look at the view from the top Researching rookies a lot? No, I just be listening to pods, yeah One in particular, I'm just a messenger Let me just pass on the rock Browning, brunning, bruning Pronouncing ain't what he's doing What he's doing is not losing But infusing you with new things And there's Dennis the Bennett Yeah the man is a menace, yeah. Building a dynasty, some of the finest things. Promise you, you won't regret it. Mm. Slice a fox, coach it in pop. Give him his props. Here is a thought, here is a box. And you cannot compare him at all, so don't even try. Careful with the news, but when you use a take, I take up Tony Fire. I mean dire, because anyone else is a huge mistake. Whoa. Fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table. Yeah. Fantasy round table, come take a look at the crown, baby. Hey. Fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table. Woo. Fantasy round what is going on everybody and welcome to another episode of the fantasy football roundtable podcast part of the pigskin podcast network you can find them at pigskin Podnet on twitter or search the hashtag tppn before you guys continue on this episode drop us a rate and review it takes about 30 seconds it would really help on any of your favorite podcasting apps we greatly appreciate your support. It is Friday, July 8th, and we got the Baker Mayfield trade, which we weren't, I wasn't expecting just yet, but it happened. So obviously we will jump into that and talk about what this means for the Carolina Panthers, the Cleveland Browns, and the, Car- oh, I already said the Carolina Panthers, and the Baker Mayfield was the other one. Then we will talk about the San Francisco 49ers and the Seattle Seahawks to wrap up the NFC West. Before we do that, gentlemen, how are you guys doing on this fantastic Friday? Man, I'll tell you, it feels like these last two weeks have been two of the damn longest weeks of the year. They just can't, couldn't get to Friday fast enough. But I'm excited. I head up to Canton tomorrow to the Hall of Fame for the Scott Fishbowl live in-person draft. We'll have three divisions drafting at the Hall of Fame, um, put together by uh, the inimitable Bob Lung and the Consistency Guide. So I'm pretty excited about that. Yeah, I mean, it's been nice. Uh, it's getting hotter. Um, I've big uh, so the big anniversary is this week. Uh, we're doing a party tomorrow, um, and my wife decided we've been taking private dance lessons for two and a half years. She decided she wanted to invite our dance teacher, and so we get to perform a couple routines. So been practicing that. 
today, getting ready for tomorrow. Looking forward to that. And then uh, tomorrow I also start uh, consecutive 12 out of 13 work days until I have a couple days off. Are going to be any video of you guys out there shaking your groove thing? I mean, I hope not. Uh, we are doing a demonstration in the uh, waltz and in East Coast Swing. Look, mad props to you on doing that. My wife wants to do dancing lessons, and I just can't. I, I just can't. I've got to. Uh... I will say we we did dancing lessons for a while, and it's good. It's good exercise. Oh man, I was I was sweating big time today because it's almost ninety degrees, and. Yeah. I mean, East Coast swing too. It's kind of fast, and you're doing turn if you're doing it right, anyway. Yeah. So it is good I mean, workout. It's fun. I don't need the workout or the sweat. I do enough of that during the day in my day job, so I'm I'm good. I, I work out enough as it is. It's 110 degrees outside right now, although so um, yeah, it's, it's really not fun. But I mean, hey, I got home at 10:50 this morning. It was an early, early day for me, and then I slept for like four hours straight. So. I'm in a great mood. Great mood. Great, great things coming down the pipe. Get to finish the boys up, I'm hoping, today. You're going to go see Thor? Probably not. I don't think I'm going to have time this weekend. I've heard it. I'm heard it. I hear that it is good, though. So I'm excited about it. Uh, a little hesitant to take my kids to these Marvel movies now with semi. We, I talked a little bit about this with Austin last night, I think, on one of our calls with uh, after the whole multiverse of madness murder thing i feel like you know christian bale's villain meh maybe we should wait on this one a little bit and see if it's uh or is it more because in his uh film history taika watiti has has done a movie where he played literally played hitler i know i have seen that jojo rabbit uh yeah one of the it's a good movie but it, it is it's definitely it not is. probably not for kids no, definitely not for kids especially the uh the town moment thing where he turns and notices the shoes I get you. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyways, enough movie talk. Baker Mayfield. He is traded to the Carolina Panthers for a conditional 2024 pick. It is currently a fifth, could become a fourth. Cleveland eats $10 million of his salary. Uh, The Panthers are paying five, and Baker decides to take a pay cut, losing $3 million in incentives to get out of Cleveland. Matt, what does this let, let's we're gonna attack this from all three angles. Let's start with let's go where he came from. What do you think this means for Cleveland? There are rumors, maybe probably just Browns fans being extremely hopeful, that the fact that they were willing to move on from Baker at this point means maybe they expect Deshaun Watson to play this year. I don't think that, but what are your thoughts on this for the Browns now that Baker is out of town? Yeah, I mean I'm with you. I think the two have nothing to do with each other. They had pretty well, both sides had commented that they had decided to move on. That was why they signed Jacoby Brissett, honestly. You don't sign Jacoby Brissett if you think there's a chance for keeping Mayfield behind Watson. They signed Brissett to be their backup. And unfortunately for Cleveland in 2022, I think Brissett is your quarterback. Um, waiting for news to drop. There's been varying opinions. I think it's Monday that the two sides can submit supplemental briefs. That means the decision could come any time after that. Some people are thinking it's going to be the end of next week. When I was listening to NFL Network Radio this week, they were talking about a decision possibly not coming until the week of July 25th. If it's a long suspension, does it get 
challenged. Um, I think regardless, we're seeing Jacoby Brissett at the beginning of the season, which sets up a real interesting week one where it's probably Jacoby Brissett and the Browns in uh, Carolina taking on the Panthers and at least in some fashion staring at Baker Mayfield. I, I don't know. You know, you may feel a little bit differently. I thought the Browns have a decent enough roster to compete, but you would probably say that Brissett, the last time he was a starter, ended up being the unfortunate failover option when Andrew Luck decided to retire on a team that many of us, myself included, thought had playoff and Super Bowl potential. And they went seven and eight and missed the playoffs. I think Cleveland could be in for like a four to six win season. Yeah, I don't uh, I don't have high hopes for a Jacoby Brissett led uh, Cleveland Browns offense. Um you know, we don't have an established second wide receiver. We've got Amari Cooper. We've got two good tight ends in Bryant and in Joku and two really good running backs in Chubb and uh, Kareem Hunt. Uh, if we are going with Brissett, it wouldn't, you know, because there's been a little bit of talk of, you know, do they take this opportunity to move on from Kareem Hunt now that they've got uh, they've seen that Durness can be a solid backup. They drafted Jerome Ford. And I don't think so. If Jacoby Brissett is going to be the quarterback this year, I don't think so. But, I mean, does the front office say, you know what? What are we going to do? Let's go out and win three games and get a great draft pick. It's supposed to be a strong class. Maybe that's just for dynasty. But the NFL, no. it would seem there's going to be some good players coming in next year as well. And maybe they're like, you know, Play the hand we're dealt. We're getting Delta shit sandwich for 2022. In 2023, we're going to have uh, Deshaun Watson back. We'll still have Nick Chubb. We'll still have Amari Cooper. We'll still have these tight ends. DPJ and David Bell will be one year older. We still got a strong offensive line, a good defense, and we'll just add some premium parts to it. It's going to be a tough year to be a Browns fan. I mean, they won't even get that great a pick. They don't have their first round pick. I guess their second right. round pick will still be considered fairly high if they have. I think they still have their second. I don't think they traded that. But, yeah, I mean, I'm not expecting Watson to play at all this year. Um, my biggest fear is, too, you know, like, I agree on the most part of what, what Dennis said. Like, unfortunately, as a Browns fan, we're just going to have to deal with it for 2022 and then hope for the best in 2023. Chubb's got a massive contract hitting in 2023. Kareem Hunt will be gone. There's a chance Amari Cooper may be gone because there's an out in his contract. Like, Jadavion Clowney's gone. They've got other players they've got to pay. Like, this could be a completely different Browns team we're looking at in 2023. Now, having Deshaun Watson, assuming he's back at quarterback, still gives you a very good edge because he is one of the best quarterbacks in the league. But I, I just... Uh, I'm still kind of befuddled by this whole situation. It's it's not made sense to me for a long time, but it's over with now. We're getting a chance to, I guess, move on and uh, go Carolina fighting Baker Mayfield's in week one. I, I'm not going to lie. I will be 100% cheering for Baker to kind of stick it to Cleveland in week one. Uh, that makes me a bad fan. It is what it is. What does this mean, Dennis, for the Carolina Panthers, who now get Baker Mayfield? They're saying it's technically going to be an open competition. I believe that's just a, you know, being respectful to Sam Darnold kind of thing, because I don't think you make this trade if you really expect Sam Darnold to be your starter going into the season. But what are your thoughts on Baker going to Carolina? 
I think Baker is Baker's the guy they want to be the starter. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if it becomes clear Baker's the starter and they try to move on from Darnold, much like Cleveland did with Baker. You know, hey, we'll we'll take a fourth round pick and pay, you know, 10 of his 18 million dollar salary since uh you Cleveland's paying 10 of Baker's salary kind of approach. Um, it, Baker's the, the better quarterback of the two. Uh, I liked Darnold coming out, but he just has not been able to put it together. Even from a low-end QB2 perspective, Darnold has been inconsistent. Like, I don't think Baker's a top-five quarterback or a top-ten quarterback. And for fantasy, I think he's a low-end QB2. But I think he's consistently there versus Darnold, who might give you a, a a little more ceiling sometimes, but gives you way, way, way more floor. Um, and and I just don't think NFL teams are comfortable with that kind of uh, fluctuation in your quarterback performance. You know, Baker does a lot of things good, but you know. Obviously, since the Browns have moved on from him now, you're starting to hear all the negative things that people didn't want to say when he was on the team. Whether it's manufactured to justify some of it or not, who knows? I'm going to speculate at least some of it is. But you've seen his, going back to college, his fiery kind of behavior. And so I could see that, you know, maybe rubbing some other players a little bit wrong and maybe some administrators a little bit wrong. I think Baker's going to play with a chip on his shoulder this year. It probably won't help his uh, completion percentage um, with that big chip on his shoulder, but Baker's got something going for him that, uh, you know, as much as I love Nick Chubb that Kevin Stefanski didn't use, and that's Christian McCaffrey and McCaffrey could be in for a hundred catch season uh, this year. You know, DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson are probably better than the two top two Cleveland wide receivers. You know, you got Amari Cooper, who's probably a little little lower than DJ, and Robbie Anderson, who's better than what Cleveland has at the wide receiver, too. You know, I think Cleveland's deeper at running back, but I think McCaffrey's better than Chubb, uh, is an all-around back. So there are weapons. The challenge is going to be, can the offensive line hold up? because it is definitely a downgrade in the offensive line for Baker. And when Baker gets pressure, that's when he sometimes tries to do too much, and that's when he makes mistakes. So that is going to be uh, the issue I think he's going to have to overcome to have a good year in Carolina. Yeah, there. so there were three potential, it seemed like, places Mayfield could have ended up landing. Tampa Bay, one of the teams we're going to sadly talk about uh, in a few minutes here today. And Carolina. Seattle. You said Tampa Bay. Yeah, Tampa Bay, one of the teams we're going to sadly talk about. We're talking about Seattle today. Oh, okay, gotcha. You made it sound like you were saying we're talking about Tampa Bay. Matt didn't hear the comma. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And Carolina. Uh, which would have been by far my third choice for this. Um, I feel bad for Baker Mayfield from the standpoint that I still don't think Carolina is a playoff team. And I think the fact that they have nothing invested in Mayfield and Darnold beyond this year means that they can wipe the slate clean 
turn over the coaching staff and start over. So from a dynasty perspective, I don't know how you could possibly feel that much better about Baker Mayfield because I don't know where he's going to be playing in 2023, but I'd wager it's not in Carolina. For 2022, I mean, it didn't really move my rankings for McCaffrey. The only thing that hurts McCaffrey is his own physical uh, injuries. Um, you know, if he's out there, I still have him as a top five running back in my redraft rankings. Baker, I'm with you. He's probably low in QB2. I actually have him just below that at QB25. With Carolina, I don't like Carolina as a team overall as well. I think if he would have gone to Seattle where he had better weapons and probably a better franchise, um, I probably would have put him up a couple of spots but I dropped him a little bit lower for DJ Moore. It's, it's great. He was probably going to at least be a wide receiver too. Anyway, I think he gets up into the, you know, 11 to 15 range. I'm not sold on Robbie Anderson as much as you are, Dennis. I think Robbie Anderson, Rashard Higgins, Terrace Marshall, and Ian Thomas could each have games where they contribute something. Good luck guessing when I don't feel like any of them are a reliable start to me. If you looked at Cleveland's offense last year, uh, and their pass offense and what he did in that pass offense. We all like Jarvis Landry. There weren't a lot of times where he felt good about starting any Cleveland receivers. And I'm not sure outside of DJ Moore and Christian McCaffrey, I'd ever feel good starting anyone uh, from Carolina and having to rely on them. Uh, I don't disagree with that. I just said that Robbie Anderson is a better option than Donovan Peoples-Jones or David Bell right now. I'm not sure he is, and he's managed to alienate both of his potential quarterbacks, so he's hoping for Matt Corral at this point in time. <laughs> right, but, I mean, they have Jacoby Brissett, and, and I do think Baker is better than Jacoby Brissett. I don't really know. I agree with what, what you just said, Matt. Like, I don't think he's going to be back in Carolina. He's likely going to be a free agent next year, so – at least at that point, he'll get to pick his landing spot for the most part. Like maybe he still ends up in Tampa Bay. We don't know. Like that, there's still a realistic shot that happens. I do think it's good for him this year because I think that's still a chance for him to rebound his stock a little bit. Like while I would have liked Seattle for the long term play, I would not have liked Seattle for this year. I, I think they also have offensive line issues. While he has DK and Tyler Lockett, I've also got a head coach that probably would only want him to throw the ball like 13 times. I, at least with Carolina, I think at times with that defense, they can be competitive. I don't expect them to make the playoffs. They did add Iki Aquanu in the draft, who is one of the best offensive linemen in the draft. So maybe their offensive line's improved a little bit. I agree with Matt on McCaffrey. Like I, I don't it's not a it's not necessarily an upgrade, but I do think it could help McCaffrey as long as he stays healthy. Over the past three years, Baker was one of the top ten quarterbacks to throw passes to the running back position. So McCaffrey could get peppered. DJ Moore, his first two seasons, and also a season with Freddie Kitchens, who was was trying to throw the ball down the field. Jarvis Landry was wide receiver. 18 and wide receiver 12 with Baker Mayfield. So I think DJ Moore does have a fairly high season and I will kind of agree with Dennis on Robbie Anderson. We have not, we've seen that Baker is not afraid to take shots down the field. Now where I do agree with you, Matt is like, I don't think Robbie Anderson's a guy you can start every single week, but like in a best ball, I don't even know that he's getting drafted. Like I would be more than fine taking a shot on him as one of my last couple picks, because I do think there will be some weeks that he has some really big games. I mean, we've seen, even in those first couple of years of that Browns offense, like Baker was not afraid to challenge downfield and throw it. And it was really kind of when Stefanski came over, they stopped that Ben McAdoo. And I'm not trying to compare 
Baker to Eli, but there was a lot of times that they had plays that went down the field in that Giants offense. So I do think they'll incorporate some of that in there, regardless of what Robbie Anderson tweeted about Baker Mayfield. They're going to be teammates. I don't think Baker's not going to throw him the ball. Like, he may not like Robbie Anderson, but I think Baker knows what's going on. Like, this is his shot right That's here. That's going to be Jay's dad, that question. Well, I wasn't. That was the offense, though. I mean, I brought that up to Felix, like, because he brought up the Odell thing. I just, I think he was a bad fit for the offense. Like, we all got excited about the trade because it's a big name, but once Stefanski came in and took over that, I think we saw what Stefan Diggs wanted out of Minnesota, right? Like, it's just not an offense for that kind of player. So, dude, if if he can get healthy, Odell Beckham would be a fantastic addition to the Carolina offense. Yeah, with them, under with Ben McAdoo in the four oh, years. God. The sure, four yeah. years that that uh, yeah, McAdoo, I mean, he was great. He was yeah. o- over. I think McAdoo. What was the stat I was looking at? It. Oh, it was something crazy. But it was uh, yards per attempt. I believe was like around the the or targets per targets per game was over was over ten uh, under Ben McAdoo hey, for look, the look. number one wide receiver. Dennis is just out here standing there like Queen Cersei saying, "I choose." Balance. I will. I will say this. I I am not a massive fan of Ben McAdoo, the head coach, but as an offensive coordinator, he was fairly good with the Giants. Like he was. Like I'm it may be just one of those things where it's one of the he's one of those coaches where he's just better as a coordinator. He's a horrible head coach. Well, but the and, funny thing is though, is that OBJ's targets did not go down under McAdoo as the head coach. Oh, of course not. Well, I will also say, like, what we should be careful and say, well, like if he goes to Carolina, yeah, he could still be good because they might target him a lot. But regardless, like I think Robbie Anderson could be a a really good best ball target because I think there will be times Baker will push the ball down the field to him. Um, really quick before we move on to the San Francisco 49ers. Matt, are we completely done with Matt Corral at this point? Is it is, is it over with already? You know, I just don't know what what to think. He it seems like more of a long shot that he gets. Uh, you know, I'm kind of bummed. Obviously, I liked him. You liked him going into the draft. I wasn't. Uh, I wasn't that put off by his landing spot when he was going against Sam Darnold. But it it does feel like he's probably the third quarterback. We'll have to see if he makes the roster and then you really don't know you know if if carolina sweeps out and does a new head coach and and turns it all over who knows what the future is for him so it's got to be a little bit of a bummer for him i i think if you if you were matt corral believer go out and offer a fourth round draft pick or fifth round draft pick for him see what see just how cheap you can acquire him and throw him on your taxi squad and wait I mean, even by the end of rookie drafts I was doing, he was going in the third or the fourth round. People didn't see much of a path up for him anyway. Right, and so they may be willing to take a 23 fourth fourth or fifth round pick just to get rid of him now that they've signed Baker. You know, you you guys don't believe Baker will be there next year. Corral getting a a year. He's like Quinn Ewers this year coming to Ohio State. He's going to go to Carolina. He's not going to do anything but ride the bench, run the scout team, learn how to be a professional quarterback. Maybe it's good for him. Maybe it's not. But but while, while you see that in college, especially with recruits and classes and knowing that you only have people for a finite amount of time, I don't know that 
it makes us feel better about some prospects we like to think that that's possible in the NFL, but I, I'm not trying to be mean. When have we actually seen that happen? Kirk Cousins. That's really the only instance I can think of. Well, Kirk Cousins, though, even in in his first season, got onto the field a few times because Robert Griffin got injured, and it was pretty clear that they took Kirk Cousins because there was some doubt about whether they thought RG3 was going to pan out. I think they took Kirk Cousins to be the backup, and then it just kind of worked out in their favor. Yeah. So I, I believe that it. Uh, we we got to move on here. So I'll, I'll try to make this quick. There's a video that's been surfaced lately of the Panthers in their war room draft from whatever you want to call it, where they were pa- fairly excited to get Matt Corral. Now, granted, you can kind of say, well, I mean, they took him in what the third round, like they passed on him mm-hmm. twice. Were they really that excited? We know Sam Darnold's not it. I wonder if they don't give him a shot at some point in time later this year just to see what he is. Now, again, what worries me is all three of us have kind of said we're not sure that Carolina is going to be good this year. So if Carolina is bad and they end up with a top pick, they're not passing on a Stroud or Bryce Young. I don't think they'll be bad enough. So when I read it, I just read my schedule projections. I think they're probably like a six or seven win team, which isn't bad enough to land top five. My only argument against uh, what you're saying isn't a bad idea. See what he has. But uh, their coach is already coming in knowing he's on an incredible hot seat. What are the chances unless he gets fired during the year? He'll get fired during the year. That's what I think. That that was the point I was gonna make. Like if if they're struggling, I think I don't think they want him there. At, at, we kind of got those vibes last year, right? Like they look they were looking for a reason to get rid of him. I think if they the weird thing's gonna be if you look at Carolina's uh, beginning of their schedule, it's easy. Like there's a shot they start off four or five and zero. Oh. But if they start to crumble down the stretch, I wouldn't be surprised if he's fired and then they just throw Corral out there. It may be a long shot. Um, and the big thing about that is, too, if they bring in a new coach and new everything, I don't know if they're going to want to keep Corral around. They may still, even though they may not be in the Stroud Young sweepstakes, there's still talks about Will Levis, Tyler Van Dyke, Anthony Richardson going in the first round. They may just want to, this new regime may just be like, no, we want to go get our quarterback, in which case I do think Corral's kind of done for, at least in that aspect. I, I don't know that his NFL career is completely done, but I do think he's just in a, been in a really bad situation now. Speaking of just like a very weird quarterback room, San Francisco 49ers, who have still not really seemed to make up their mind with Trey Lance and Jimmy G, they made it into the NFC Championship game, but lose, uh, finished with a 10 7 record. Their key departures Raheem Mostert goes to the Dolphins, Quan Williams to the Broncos, Mr. Tart goes to the Eagles, and DJ Jones to the Broncos. Jaquiski Tart. Jaquiski. I wasn't going to, I wasn't even going to attempt it. I was going to call him Jacuzzi. Key additions, I apologize to Mr. Tart. I wasn't trying to make fun of your name. Key additions, they add Ray 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 McLeod, the dynamic returner and wide receiver, and Charvarius Ward, the cornerback. Matt, we, we've kind of talked a lot about this. If you guys haven't listened to the Cantonbound episode on the C2C Network, Matt was on there with Austin and Brandon Sanders. They talked a lot about Baker. And they talked a little bit about these 49ers quarterbacks as well. So if you'd like to hear their thoughts on it, but what is, is it time for Trey Lance to shine? Um, and if it is, what happens with this passing game? Is Trey Lance capable of shining would probably be a question. I'll be honest. He was uh, the one of the five coming out last year that I was the least confident about. Um, and I still am nothing about last year made me feel better about that. He, 
he could be a huge hit. They gambled a lot. Um, I think he's for sure going to play significant minutes this season. Um, The think the fact they haven't yet moved on from Jimmy G and Jimmy G still recovering, maybe isn't even physically ready at the beginning of the season. I still feel like he ends up staying there because they haven't gotten any good offers for him. And San Francisco in its heart still thinks that it's got a roster to compete for the playoffs. And it probably should still think that because they have a decent roster for fantasy purposes. uh, Fantasy pros, ADP uh, Trey Lance is going as QB 15 right now. That's probably not as high as the people that love him, but it's way higher than the people that are leery of him. Um, I just don't, think he's a great passer. I don't know what this offense looks like with him. And honestly, I am not very high on San Francisco going through this year. We've seen them kind of alternate between years where they're good enough and get into the playoffs and years where the, the wheels kind of come off the bus. I think we're tracking more toward a wheels kind of come off the bus. Trey Lance is really going to have to prove it to me first. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TPPN. Make your first deposit and get a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's promo code TPPN only at DraftKingsSportsbook.com. We've got a ton of Major League Baseball games going on right now. Golf, MMA, and more with same-game parlays, spreads, money lines, over-unders, and props. Everything and anything you need to get money. DraftKingsSportsbook.com is giving new customers a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's right. Make your first bet and get up to $1,000, and if it doesn't win, you'll get another shot to cash in. Download the DraftKingsSportsbookapp.com, and again, use promo code TPPN at DraftKingsSportsbook.com. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER. That is 1-800-426-2537. In Illinois, Indiana, Minnesota, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, and Wyoming, 1-800-NEXT-STEP. In Arizona, 1-800-522-4700. In Colorado and New Hampshire, 888-789-7777. Or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-BETS-OFF in Indiana, 1-877-770-STOP or 7867 in Louisiana, 877-8-HOPE-NEW-YORK or text HOPE-NEW-YORK 467-369 in New York or visit opgr.org in Oregon. Call text the Tennessee Red Line, 1-800-889-9789 in Tennessee or 1-888-532-3500 in Virginia. 21 and up or 18 and up in Wyoming. Physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Minnesota, New Jersey, and New York, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Yeah. Trey Lance didn't inspire a lot of confidence with his 57% completion rate and limited uh, uh, activity last year. And I... uh, I I feel like it could it, it's I don't think there's a middle ground here. I think Trey Lance is going to be awful this year or he's going to be really really good and I don't know how to figure out what that is actually going to be. Sorry, I was sending a trade off. Um it was 
I want Trey Lance to be good, but he's hardly played in the last three years. And I get it that I'm making the case for what I said for Matt Corral to do, which is sit and learn to be an NFL quarterback. But I feel like Matt Corral has a little bit better NFL skill set than Trey Lance. Trey Lance has a lot of skills, but I don't know if they're NFL quarterback skill set. And I think he's got to prove that. And now he's got weapons. He's got Kittle. He's got Devo. He's got Ayuk. Um, they're not. They're not a heavy pass team. So some of it, it wouldn't surprise me to see an offense uh, along the lines, not as run heavy as Baltimore, but limiting the number of pass attempts like Baltimore has done with Lamar Jackson so that they take the opportunity for error out of uh, his hands. And what that means is that Eli, Elijah Mitchell is the guy that you're going to want. I, I feel like he's going to be the workhorse. And while Kyle Shanahan thinks he can plug anybody into that offense and they can score from the running back position, he prefers to have one guy do it. Mitchell put on, 10, I think he's up to like 217. So I think they're going to use Mitchell in that run game to take the pressure off of Trey Lance. Lance will have some good games. Um, he'll use his running ability as a, a dual threat, but I don't think you're going to see a high-volume passing offense, and so that's going to affect all of the receivers. Um, Lance may prop up his, uh, his, his quarterback status as a, you know, maybe a low-end QB run with his running ability, but I'm still a little bit nervous about that. And I think that's the part that has to be the scariest if you're going in, because I've seen almost everyone has Debo Samuel as a no-brainer top 10 wide receiver and George Kittle as a top five or top three tight end. And then Brandon Ayuk's out there. I'm with you. I don't know how the how this offense is supporting those fantasy finishes, especially if the part that makes me nervous about what you said is that Trey Lance ran a ton in the sample size that we saw him playing and starting and also took goal line carries, which is why you could almost end up with a, you know, Blake Bortles isn't the right example because it's a different style, but that kind of where the quarterback is, a top 10 quarterback for fantasy, but we wouldn't have ever thought that they were actually good and their team wasn't good. I think they're going to go to Lance regardless, <clears throat> whether he's, whether he's extremely good or not. I mean, Jimmy G is a free agent after this season. They're not going to resign him. So at some point, whether it, whether Jimmy G does start the season or they just go straight to Trey Lance, he's going to start. He's got things to work on, at least as of last time we saw him. We don't know how good he's looked. Obviously, it's not necessarily been glowing stuff coming out of camp. The latest thing was he's got arm fatigue, which is not what you want to hear. Regardless, I <clears throat> I do believe in Kyle Shanahan as a play caller and way to get ball get the ball into his playmaker's hands. Like I agree with what Matt said on like Debo, Kittle, Ayuk are not all gonna be high end fantasy assets. I think it's gonna be two at best. And it's probably going to be Debo and then Kittle based on just how bad that position is for fantasy. I, I don't think you're going to see all three of them. The thing with Lance is he's not, 
he needs to develop as just a quarterback. I think on the mental side of the game, like the arm talent is there. He's got one of the better arms in that class. When he came out with fields, Lawrence, Mac Jones, Zach Wilson, he just didn't necessarily have to play the toughest competition. I think some of the mental stuff wasn't there. I feel like Kyle Shanahan's smart enough to very be able to simplify that stuff for him and make it a little bit easier. I mean, if McVay could do it for Jared Goff, I think Kyle Shanahan can do it for Trey Lance. I, I think the rushing upside does buy him some time. I don't want to compare him to Lamar Jackson, but we had a lot of questions about what Lamar was going to be as a passer, and then he came out as a rookie. He wasn't that great of a passer, but he still had really good fantasy games because of his legs. I think that's what helps Lance here is it's going to buy him time to improve as a passer. It's probably It may be rough. They may not be a playoff team this year after, after going to the NFC Championship game, but... I still think there's enough intangibles there with Lance that I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. I just think, as as both of you mentioned, you may have to fade some of these other players because Lance is not going to go out there and throw for 4,000 yards and 30 touchdowns and also rush for 400 yards and a bunch of touchdowns. He may bring you the rushing upside, but I think the passing upside may be lacking a little bit this year. His so current, What do you think the chances are that Lance can put up a season – on the level that Jalen Hurts did last year? I don't. I think that the reason Hurts did what he did is because that entire team was collapsing around him. They had no decent running back. Miles Sanders was hurt. The only wide receiver weapon they had was Devonta Smith, as we talked about. So I don't think he's going to be a top five fantasy quarterback. I think year one, even with the rushing upside, you're probably looking at, like, at best, a QB 14 or 15 for Trey Lance. Just personally. Hertz only threw 432 passes. He only completed 61.3% with 16 touchdowns, but he had over 700 yards, almost 800, uh, almost 800 yards rushing. I don't think he'll touchdowns. have. I don't think he'll have that many rushing yards. He may he may be close on the touchdowns. I don't think he's going to have that many. Now maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's Kaepernick all over again, and he's going to have a shit ton of rushing yards. I don't know. I don't think they're going to run him that much because they've got three really good running backs. I expect they're going to try and run the ball like you mentioned. And I think Lance will get. I think Lance could get four to five hundred. I think seven hundred is a bit much, personally. With the running backs, I mean, Dennis, you just mentioned. Uh, well, I wanted to mention the um, ADPs really quick. So, if you want to take Jimmy Garoppolo, he's still going fairly high. His QB seventeen with an ADP of one seventy seven point one. QB thirty three on Fanny, Fantasy Pros. Trey Lance oh, okay. is QB fifteen. Gotcha. And then uh, Lance with an ADP of thirty eight point seven. Um, Dennis, you mentioned the running backs and you believe that Elijah Mitchell is the guy. Do you see any value in guys like Trey Sermon or Tyrion Davis price? Elijah Mitchell right now going off the board with an ADP of 68.8 and RB 22 Tyrion Davis price going off the board with an ADP of 185. Uh, let me go. I didn't go down that far. Okay. Yeah. I, and, I'm, I missed the, the redraft there. And Trey Sermon, I don't see an ADP on here, so I assume he's probably yeah. not being drafted. People. Trey are, Sermon is going as RB seventy-five, according oh. to Fantasy Pros. Jeez, he's okay. RB sixty-four on uh, oh, that. I think, yeah, that would be uh, on sleeper. I I don't necessarily see any value because I think that the value is only going to come if Mitchell gets injured. I. 
I think there there is some merit to say that, you know, running backs get injured just about every year. They deal with some sort of injury. But Kyle Shanahan wants to put his best players out there. And I think Elijah Mitchell has established that he's that guy in the running back, uh, in the running back room. So until Elijah Mitchell gets injured, I don't think we're going to see a lot of uh, Tyreon Davis Price or Jeff Wilson or especially Trey Sermon unless there's some miraculous comeback. Um, so I, I would expect Mitchell to have probably a 65 to 70% touch share and probably a 70% snap share um, from the running back position because he's established himself as the better option. Um, I don't think there's really, you know, what's the value in saying, well, we're going to make it a, a competition when somebody came in and established themselves. I, I, I don't think that that doesn't create, I, I know you want to create competition, but I feel like these guys are already competitive. They've made it to the NFL. And so at some point you have to say, this is the guy we're going to give the lion's share of the touches to. And I, I, and I do believe that Mitchell is that guy. I think he's going to continue to rise uh, in ADP. Right now, uh, Fantasy Pros, he's sitting at uh, 20. Or not RB22. RB22. Yeah. I, I could see him climbing up a few more spots, as uh, especially as news comes out that he's taking control of it, that he's getting the number one reps, things like that. I think his, his ADP is going to start to rise. Yeah, you know what's fascinating? So I went and pulled uh, the rest. We said Trey Sermon going as RB75. Terry and Davis Price is currently going as RB64. Jeff Wilson isn't in the top 105 uh, when I was looking. And I have to be honest, he might be, if he's that low in ADP, he might be the one that's the best value. Elijah Mitchell at 22, I think that's about right for him. And I think he's going to have a great year. I don't think it's exceptional value, but I think it's decent. In ADP, the four going in front of him are Ezekiel Elliott, Antonio Gibson, Josh Jacobs, and J.K. Dobbins. The four going right behind him, Travis Etienne, Brees Hall, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, and A.J. Dillon. I would say I like Elijah Mitchell. You know, I might not like him more than the four guys in front of him. Maybe one of the guys, uh, you know, depending on what we learn about Dobbins when he potentially come back. But I definitely like him better than the four guys that are currently going right behind him. So I think he's going in a good spot. I think he's going to be a decent contributor. I think you're still going to want, even though I'm not high on San Francisco as a team and I'm not particularly high on Lance being a good quarterback, I still think the offense we've seen, even in years where they only won like two or three games, Having pieces of the 49er offense, especially running backs who are getting the ball, was very good for you in fantasy. Yeah, I, I'm as a little less sold on Elijah Mitchell being the guy. So 196 to 156, 176 to 137. Coming over to San Francisco, 137, 137, and 123. Uh, where'd the other one go here? I was just pulling that up. 126, 104, 81, and 62. Those are all the carries that running backs have been getting under Kyle Shanahan over the past couple years, going all the way back to Atlanta when he had a guy like Devonta Freeman, who was by far an elite Atlanta fantasy asset and a running, a top-end running back. And yet Tevin Coleman was matching him in carries. 
and catches. Like Kyle Shannon, I think, had to rely on Elijah Mitchell last year because Jeff Wilson was hurt most of the year. We had whatever was going on with Trey Sermon, and that still may not be fixed. I don't know that I'm betting in on Trey Sermon. They didn't draft Tyrion Davis-Price in the third round for shits and giggles, though. And I agree with Matt. Like, Jeff Wilson is a thorn in every fantasy manager's side because if he comes back healthy, Kyle Shanahan, I think he's got some kind of dirt on Kyle Shanahan, much like Taysom Hill had something on Sean Payton, and that they continue to play him. Like, I think Elijah Mitchell does get the majority of the carries if he's healthy. I don't think it's a massive split, though. So at that point, I'm not taking him at his ADP. I'm not taking him that early. For me, that's just too early because I don't think there's going to be a massive spread in fantasy points between him and a possible Tyrion Davis price or whomever. Like, I get if you want to take that bet on him. I'm not. For me personally, I think I'd rather take a shot on TDP or I'm, I hate to even say this, a Trey Sermon or Jeff Wilson because they're just so much lower. And Elijah Mitchell hasn't necessarily shown us, again, one season, so it's a very small sample size. He was injured a lot last year. And granted, had a great, great season and had a ton of carries, but he was injured. Multiple he played times. He played 11 games. He started 10. He averaged 19 carries a game. Yeah, but I mean, these these are that's one year though. If you go through Kyle Shanahan's history, I just listed four different years. It's never been one running back. Doesn't it feel like their running backs get beat up a lot though? You you definitely your arguments give give me back to like uh, Raheem Mostert PTSD because I argued that yeah that's him uh, like to be a running back two for the last two years. And when he was out there, he was great. But he was then good. But then they like, bring in Jeff. Okay, it's like that's the other thing too. Like I'm looking at now. One of these years, Mostert did get hurt. He played ten games. Okay, you can see why. But the other one, he played sixteen games, and so did Jeff Wilson, and they were three carries apart. In this one year, it's Jarek McKinnon, Jamichael Hasty, Jeff Wilson, Raheem Mostert, like. Last year, I think it was a, a grand. Elijah Mitchell took it and ran with it. And I do somewhat, I think any rational team would t- look at it the way Dennis just said it. It's like, Elijah Mitchell showed you he doesn't need to share the ball. Kyle Shanahan's not rational, and he doesn't look at the running back room the way anybody. He looks at it built the way Bill Belichick does. Like, oh, Damien Harris is going out there and looking great. That's cool. Ramondre right. Stevenson, you know, James I, White. Like, they switch I'm running say, backs. though, yes. he looks at it the way his father did. Or yeah, and that's Mike, a great point too. Mike definitely approached it that way until he found his guy. You, if until you look at the Broncos, until he had Ruben no, Drums, come on, no, until he not, had Mike Anderson, no, not no. those guys. He gave those guys. Not, but he gave those a, guys the years they they were studs for a year, which is fine. But what I'm going to say is until he found the guy that was the value that could hang in there, which was another six-round running back draft choice who everybody thought was more likely to make the team as a special teams player, and that's Terrell Davis, who he ended up seeing something more special and started to work him in in the first year and then let him take off. So if Elijah Mitchell ends up being something that they see that way, I could see them committing to one back. Because you have to remember, Shanahan also helped to – run offense for Kubiak and the Texans when they had Arian Foster, another guy who was a find that they leaned on heavily until they couldn't. I don't think Elijah Mitchell's that. Anyways, let's move on to the wide receivers. We're going a little bit long here on the 49ers. 
We know George Kittle likely, maybe he takes a little bit of dip, as we mentioned, with uh, Trey Lance right now going as tight end four with an ADP of 41.6. But a lot of people, including Matt and myself, are kind of, were high at least coming into the season possibly on Brandon Ayuk being good. He was extremely good down the stretch last year. One of the actual, I believe he finished, if you look at the back half of the season, as like a top 15 wide receiver for fantasy. He was really good. Currently going off the board as wide receiver 35 with an ADP of 108. And then, of course, you've got Debo Samuel, wide receiver three with a 33.6 ADP. Matt, just focusing in on those two, are you taking Debo based on what he did last year? Or are you just going to pivot and take Ayuk because he's going later? Or are you avoiding them altogether? Yeah, and on Fantasy Pros, Ayuk is even lower now. It says he's wide receiver 41. Um, I, I would like it to be a deal, but I just don't believe in the – in the passing game, I still like his potential. Um, the big question, too, even for me with Debo, is if he doesn't want to run or doesn't get the opportunities on the ground game, he's probably going to have a tougher time staying up in wide receiver one based on passing volume alone. I just don't think there is enough for three players, and I think that that means either we're way too high on – Debo Samuel and those guys even out somewhere in the wide receiver three range, or there's not enough balls for Brandon Ayuk. Before I talk about wide receivers, I just would also like to mention that in his last two years as OC in Washington, Kyle Shanahan had no issue giving Alfred Morris 300 carries. So anyways, back to Ayuk and, and Debo. I, I I agree with Matt. I think if Debo going that high is a little, little bit rich for me because I do expect a drop in passing attempts, even though they were 26th in pass attempts last year, I could see them being bottom four, maybe bottom three, even uh, as they try to run the ball and insulate their, their young quarterback. Um, at value, it's probably Ayuk for me. Um, you know, but we always seem to see one player step up and, and dominate when we have one of these low-volume teams, a la Mark Andrews last year. And so there is, you know, there's a world where I see George Kittle as the tight end one, you know, where he's the one who becomes Trey Lance's go-to guy because he's he, he just – makes a connection and, and he ends up being that guy because he gets open early and he catches passes and he makes things happen. I, I don't know the the passing game in general for San Francisco is a little bit nerve wracking. I feel like Debo is probably going to be a, a, a wide receiver too. Ayuk a low end three to maybe low end four even. And Kittle, had, while he has the potential to be the tight end one, it also wouldn't surprise me if he was tight end 10. All right, so the over-under currently for the 49ers is 10. Uh, Matt, do you think that they go over that? I'm taking the under. I think they're eight, nine win team. I, I'm taking the under. If they go over, it's going to be on the back of their defense. I think I'm going to take the under as 
as well, even as bad as the NFC looks to be. The Seattle Seahawks finished fourth in the NFC West last year with a 7-10 record. They lose Russell Wilson in a trade to the Broncos, Bobby Wagner to the Rams, and Gerald Everett to the Chargers. Their key additions in that trade for Russell Wilson, they bring back Drew Locke. He got all choked up. Drew Locke <laughs> from the Broncos. They got Noah Fant uh, from the Broncos tight end, and they got Marquise Goodwin Bless as you. a wide receiver. Thank you. Thank Their key you. rookie was Ken Walker the third. Who I I wish you would have kept Kenneth Walker. I no, like it's Kenneth Walker. Walker. Kenneth Walker the third. Didn't he like make a big deal about changing it though? Well, I don't know. He's always going to be Kenneth to me. Dennis, how are we feeling um, about the passing game here? Do we expect it to take a hit, and are we worried about DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, and Noah Fant with likely Drew Locke being the starter for the Seahawks? Or Geno Smith, if we're being honest. So it'll be Locke. I think it'll be Locke. The challenge becomes is what type of quarterback does Pete Carroll decide he wants to put out there? He's got Drew Locke with a big arm who's willing to throw the ball downfield who will make some questionable decisions, throw some interceptions, and isn't terribly accurate. He's a 60% passer on a good day. Uh, or he's got Geno Smith, who holds the ball too long, doesn't take any chances, um, probably not going to move the ball down the field too strongly. Um, for for my money, I want it to be locked just because I I, I think he'll take more shots. Um I, you know, I feel like DK is going to get his, um, but he's also, we, we saw last year that DK can also have some of these uh, real low floor games. And I think we'll see more of that this year uh, with whoever's under the quarterback. It's going to be, it's going to be a challenging, challenging year to be a Seahawks fan. I think you're going to see some plays from Drew Locke to DK Metcalf and, and, um, Tyler Lockett that are going to make you go, man, I think they're figuring it out. And then you're going to see some plays that make you go, man, they don't have any freaking idea what to do with these guys anymore. Yeah. These quarterbacks were eerily similar um, last year. Both of them ended up starting three games. Lock completed 60% of his passes for 787 yards. Geno Smith, 68% for 700 yards. Um, they were both really close in um, their fantasy finishes, but I think they were right next to each other. Like one was, I might have put it on the sheet. One was quarterback forty-one, and one was quarterback forty-two. I don't. I think it probably ends up being lock. I'm not a hundred percent sure it ends up being lock. I'll be honest. Places where I have lock, where I was able to hedge and pick up Geno Smith because it's a super flex league, and I'm sad, and I might actually have to play the Seattle quarterback. I've taken them both. Um, I would like to see Lock get a shot. I would like to believe that Pete Carroll's uh, nice comments about him are because they're interested in seeing what he can do. I don't know if we ever got a decent shot. I. I feel like McFangio was never a big fan. Um, last year, if you watched the play calling, it seemed like every time he was on the field, they tried to engineer it for him to look worse than Teddy Bridgewater, which was frustrating. But <clears throat> I feel bad for Noah Fant, who probably hasn't had a decent quarterback his entire career, moves to Seattle where now he has uh, competition from a couple of good receivers and still doesn't have much of a quarterback prospects. It's going to be a run first team still. Seattle is probably going to be a run first team until Pete Carroll either retires or passes away in the coach's office in Seattle. Um, Metcalf, 
is still the one I'm betting on more. His current ADP, though, he's going at, at wide receiver 17. Here are a few of the wide receivers going right behind him right now. DJ Moore going at wide receiver 18. I would rather have DJ Moore, uh, especially with this trade. Maybe that reverses Mike Williams going at wide receiver 19. I'd rather have Mike Williams. Brandon Cooks going at wide receiver 20. I'd rather have him. Chris Godwin at wide receiver 21. Even if he starts the season on Pup, I think I'd rather have him a better passing offense. I like Metcalf's talent. But I think it's going to be rough. If you looked at Denver's receiver finishes last year, um, you had two receivers in, in Patrick and Sutton who played the whole season who who were pretty good outside receivers, finish in the wide receiver. Uh, one was wide receiver 42, one was wide receiver 44. I think Metcalf still has enough talent to get to low-end wide receiver two. I actually took Tyler Lockett out of my top 50. I just don't think there's enough balls. And I think Ty, if no offense, probably just given the nature of the position ends up being a low end tight end too, but I don't think they're going to be good enough as a passing offense. Yeah, I'll keep mine short and sweet. I think it's Metcalf still for me, just based on everything he's able to do. Uh, Tyler Lockett succeeded so well because of how accurate Russell Wilson was with the ball down the field. I don't know that, that Drew Locke will be able to do that. But DK Metcalf can go up and get just about anything. So I, I think he'll succeed more. I agree with Matt on fan. Like, I'm just great talent coming out of college. Uh, I thought he was going to be it for Denver. Historically, the tight ends for Seattle have not been necessarily fantasy relevant. There's been a couple seasons here and there. And I think so that's probably been because of Russell Wilson. So I think I'm kind of out on everybody here but DK Metcalf. Dennis. I mean, Rashad Penny finally came through for you last year, especially at the back half. I mean, he won people some fantasy championships. Is it Penny and Walker? And another one of your guys that you called in, Chris Carson, do you think that he's officially done, unfortunately, due to that injury? I think Carson should be I, – I hope Carson is smart enough to be done. Um, you know, you don't mess around with a neck injury. We saw what Chris Spielman did. He injured his neck. He came back, he played like one game and he was like, you know what, this don't feel right, I'm done. Uh, you got you got to take that, you know, when God's telling you, hey man, it's time to move on, maybe move on. And I hope, hope Carson does. Um, I so want to believe in Rashad Penny. Um, I, I, I feel like Pete is going to give him every opportunity to win the job. And then in week three, after Penny is gone, 23, 23, 23 for, you know, 125 yards each week and two touchdowns, Kenneth Walker is going to get the start for some reason. Um, and there'll be just bedlam. Uh, you know, Penny's injury history is concerning. Well, you don't ever, I, I don't, you know, I, there's a lot of debate over whether or not a player is injury prone. Penny has never stayed healthy for long stretches of the season. And he plays a very brutal position. He's a big guy. He's 6'1", 225 pounds. He does have good power and speed, but he gets hit. He doesn't have a ton of wiggle. And, 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 you know, when he tweaks something, it takes him time to recover. He doesn't come back like Adrian Peterson did. Um, and so 
as much I I want to believe in Rashad Penny, and Penny is actually going uh, what he's going as RB thirty six, and Kenneth Walker's going as RB twenty six uh, on sleeper ADP as of June thirtieth. So drafters clearly believe that Walker is going to be the lead back there, and I suspect they believe it because they think that Penny isn't going to be able to to stay healthy. So for me. You know, running back is the easiest position, I think, one of the easiest positions for a player to transition from college to the pros. Um, I think the trouble that Walker runs into is that everybody's going to look at those last five games of last year, and by everybody, I mean Pete Carroll, and that's going to hold Walker back from being able to pay off uh, on his uh, draft status. He may be a guy that closes out the season with 10 games because Penny gets injured again. Um, I probably don't want either of these guys as more than my RB3, preferably RB4. I just think Penny, while he he handled the workload for them toward the back half of last year, I think he's kind of shown us like he's really good in short bursts. I think he's probably better as like a change of pace guy and – even though they haven't really used him that way, he was a great receiving back in college. And if I, I think if they used him a little bit more like that in Seattle, he could be really productive. I do think Kenneth Walker at the end of the day is going to be the better running back for Seattle, but I would not be surprised if Penny starts out the, the year as the running back one for them. We talked a little bit about it a while back in rookie mini camps. I've never heard Pete Carroll say a negative thing about a player before. Like he will tell you the worst player on his roster has the best hands, possibly going to competing for an MVP pro bowl spot this year. Like he is always extremely optimistic. And even this year at rookie camp, it's like, well, he needs to work on some things and he needs to improve as a blocker. You typically don't hear that out of, out of Pete Carroll. So I think he's being very honest with us for whatever anybody thinks about Penny. He was healthy for most of last year. He showed it at the back end. I think as long as he goes in healthy at this preseason, he'll be the starter. I do expect Kenneth Walker to take over some point because I just think he's a better player. I don't think it necessarily has anything to do with injury. Matt, the Seahawks. Oh, yeah, and I was going to say overall, um, if you look at the fantasy pros ADP now, um, sites aside from sleeper where I would wager Walker's going higher because it's a lot of dynasty startups right now. Um, their ADP is actually flipped. Penny is going as RB32, and Walker's now going as RB35. Interesting. Well, this is from their redraft Superflex is what well, it's listed. I'm just telling you, Fantasy Pros takes a – I can see ESPN, MFL, Fantrax, FCC, Sleeper, they're all – in here and penny is now rb32 he's going higher he's going above where people are taking walker i would still imagine sleeper and people who are drafting on sleeper are probably more dynasty players so we know that the seahawks are entering somewhat of a rebuild here and that over under is factored that in they are sitting at 5.5 dennis you taking the over or the under i'm gonna take the under I think that's a good number because five or six wins is probably where they're at. Uh, I'm going to take the slide over and say they finish six, six and 11 because I, I think they have enough talent and I like Pete Carroll enough. Yeah. I, uh, 
I think 5.5 is a great number. I'm going to take the slight under at 5. I just think this team is just bad. The defense is nowhere near where it used to be. As much as I hoped Locke was going to be the guy, I just I don't think he's it, and I don't know if this offense is going to be that good. So I think they're in for a real a real tough season, unfortunately. I mean, they only won seven games last year with, yeah. with Russell Wilson starting 14, so... And I mean, I, I mean, the one thing that could be in their favor is the NFC is just not as stacked as the AFC. So I think a lot of those games could be much closer, even though that division but is very good. The NFC so, West is playing the AFC West. Okay, so they're screwed. They're losing. Yeah, I mean, they're gonna get it's it. hard to imagine they win any of those AFC games. No, no. If they do, it'll be the Raiders, and that'll probably be the only one they win. All right, so that will do it for us today. We'll be back on Monday. I did not get it pulled up in time. Who are we talking about? The North? AFC it's North? North. Is, uh, the Hold AFC on. North, which I would imagine is then going to Baltimore be Baltimore and Pittsburgh. Baltimore. No, how is it really? Cincinnati? Oh, wait, finish? Cincinnati. Sorry, How's Cincinnati. Say, Cincinnati. I, see, I haven't worked Pittsburgh. on it. Yeah, it's the Bengals and the Steelers. Well, we're talking about the Bengals and the Steelers. So everybody have yourselves a great weekend, and we will talk to you guys again on Monday. Don't. Prepare for glory! I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. Do you got your popcorn ready? I came out the wall wide already. And he's hit the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown. I would be honored if you played football for this team. Throw it up above his head. They can't jump with me. Golly! Only tackle in the corner. Who can make a play? I can. Who can make a play? I can. <laughs>